Hey, it's Ryan Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money. Just how much money was wagered on this past weekend's Super Bowl? The numbers? Staggering. We break them all down. We take a look at the Bitcoin bet made by Drake on Odell Beckham and what it did for crypto. And of course, we finish with March Madness. Who's going to win? The answer on Guaranteed Money. And welcome to TDR's Guaranteed Money Podcast. Let's call this the Super Bowl Hangover Edition. I think that's kind of where we're at. First, the disclaimer, get the stopwatch out. Let's see where we go with this one today. Are we ready? We're good. All views on the Guaranteed Money Podcast and the guests on this podcast are purely opinion. You should not treat any opinions expressed by us or our guests as gambling or investment advice. The views on this podcast are solely intended to be informational and are not investment advice. Stop. Twelve. I'm killing it. Twelve. Man. I'm killing that was, it. That was good. That's got to be a. We're. Uh, that's got to be. That's my fastest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're beating this week over week. We're gonna need Eminem in here pretty soon, so we can get a uh, four second uh, disclaimer. He's talking about Super <laughs> so Bowl. I, I don't think I could get to Godzilla levels, but yeah, yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's see where the future goes. That is, of course, millennial entrepreneur Anthony Verrill. Uh, you know, he's riding the hangover this week. I. I put I told it like it was on the Super Bowl the way oh, I yeah. saw it, and I'd like to think I was pretty accurate on it. I said the Rams were going to win. I said it was going to be closer than most people said it was going to be. They didn't cover the four and a half spread that was the the closing line out there at most books at most shops. Um, I stayed off most things on on the Super Bowl with the exception of taking the Rams minus three for the first half. Uh, I liked that play late, so I didn't put it out there. And lo and behold, we had a situation where if they didn't miss the extra point, the Rams probably would have, well, they would have covered that, yeah, yeah. that three number. Otherwise, it was a push. So, you know, I just kind of sat back, rode some of my props, had a little fun. You, on the other hand, <laughs> super committed. And I, I appreciate this. I like a guy who puts his balls on the uh, table and says, listen, this is who I am. This is what I like. Yeah. I'm going to be confident about it. And I'm going to burn down with it if it loses. Yep. You had the Bengals on the money line. And I'm going to guess at parts of that game, you probably thought, I'm on the right side here. I was on the right side, yeah, until what, three minutes left in the fourth quarter where that holding call gets called when they've been beating each other up all game and then the guy basically was just covering him. Um, it could have been third and 14. Meanwhile, it goes to first down from, I think, the three. And then they dumped that pass off to Cooper Cup um, and the rest is history. I mean, I got shredded on the money line. I got shredded on Jamar Chase, uh, five and a half catches. Um, which I got beat on. And then I also thought Aaron Donald was potentially going to win the MVP as a hedge against that money line bet on the Bengals and lost that one as well. So I went, I uh, went over three on the Super Bowl. But, uh, hey. yeah, this is what I didn't understand. And, he, and here's where I'll, I'll come rushing to your defense. Not that you need me to do so. I, I don't understand in a game that was dominated and we don't like to take a lot of time to dwell on, on previous weeks, but this is the Super Bowl yeah. after all. And we'll get into some of the numbers. Uh, in just a few minutes time, because I've got some of the early prelim numbers when it comes to handle, when it comes to uh, where people were putting their money. Oh, yeah. And it is eye opening. for sure. But, you know, you look at the defense, like both defensive lines, I thought really dictated the pace yeah. and the, the narrative of the game. How you then go and give an MVP award to not to say that Cooper Cup isn't a great receiver. He is. He's the best in the league. But how you give it to an offensive player in a game that was so dictated by those two defenses yeah. where the total came under the number, you know, you've got a 43 point score, the total at some places, 47 and a half, 48. I, for me, I, I think you're in the right to be upset about that particular bet. Yeah, I mean, win, lose, penalties, holding. That's the bet I would be upset about. Yeah, I mean, I think that was BS. I mean, you look at Aaron Donald, he stopped Samaj, Samaj P. Ryan 
on that third and one, which I thought was egregious. You have Joe Mixon. You have Joe Mixon. You use Joe Mixon. You don't put in your your, your other running back um, and expect to get the job done. I think the Bengals had five first downs in the last 25 minutes of the game. Um, I mean, that defensive line anchored by Aaron Donald controlled the game. And I mean, that's that's really why they won that and a little bit of help from the refs. But I mean, I think Donald got robbed. seven sacks. Yeah, it was crazy. Seven sacks yeah. against Joe Burrow yeah. on, on Sunday. Joe Burrow so, needs an O-line. There it is. So Rams, yeah. he, needs a, someone, he needs an O-line in a hurry. Someone, probably get that an man, ice bath. someone get that man some O-linemen because he's not going anywhere without it. Yeah, it's very true. And that's gonna that would have been the difference. If they had some actual you know big guys up front that could block and that could keep on pace with that defensive line of the Rams, we'd probably be singing a different tune and telling a different 100%. story today. Rams I, was, win. I just thank God that, Bengals, that, that knee scare was nothing. Because I thought I thought I yeah. thought that he was re, uh, re-injured, um, and everyone was yeah, just it like, looked that way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You already had an injury to Beckham too, which I think a lot of people kind of held their breath. He got the he got the one touchdown that Drake had all of his money on, so yep. Drake walks away with another million bucks. We're all happy about that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what you were wishing for. I, to be honest, OBJ is the only reason I'm actually happy the Rams won. I mean. The guy is one of the most prolific receivers we've seen in the last like 10 years. He just happens to be injury prone. He finally gets to the Super Bowl. He's basically playing for free this season. And then he injures his knee um, in what I think was the second quarter. Um, and you could see that he was just in, he was just distraught. So, I mean, if any silver lining for the, for that Rams win, I mean, I'm happy that Aaron Donald and OBJ both, they uh, both got a ring because they're both well-deserved. All right, let, let me ask let me ask you this though because this I was I was thinking about this while we were putting the show together. You've got a world because this is this is your other world, the world of crypto. Yeah. You've got a world where Drake puts the most famous rapper in the world right now. Drake puts a bet on in crypto, in Bitcoin. Yeah. And he bets on a guy who's making his salary this year in Bitcoin. Does that blow your mind at all as a guy who follows that space so closely that that's what like that literally happened this past weekend in a world where the, the Super Bowl was surrounded by crypto commercials? Yeah, I mean, not to be cocky, but I've been shouting that since 2016 um, that, that this is where. No, crypt- be cocky. That, Cocky's that, good. That, Do that, it. This is where crypto is going to go. I mean, it's the, the writing's been on the wall and I mean, it's finally getting where we're, we're, we're to mass adoption. I mean, FTX, Crypto.com, they were all over the Super Bowl. Um, crypto is everywhere. The conversation's still going on about crypto. Um, I mean, it's it's finally doing what we've all thought it was going to do um, back in 2015, 2016, and as early as 2012, um, when you saw like Ethereum and everything start to really come out and take shape. Um, so, I mean, I've seen this. I, I've thought I've always thought that this was the end game. Um, this isn't even the end game because this is still the first inning, um, all things considered. So, I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, it's it, it's great, and I look forward to it just getting bigger and the conversation getting more uh, refined around it. What do you think when you, you talk about mass adoption? What do you think this type of thing, you know, you mentioned Drake, you know, Odell Beckham, uh, all the commercials. What does it do to Joe Sixpack sitting on his couch? Does does it get that individual off the sidelines into that space, or is this maybe a, a little bit of a higher level? Okay, so to put it in per- into perspective, I'm assuming you saw the Coinbase advertisement that was on TV with the Pong-like did, yeah. thing. Okay, so Coinbase yep. was the number 160 downloaded app ranking-wise on the App Store. After the Super Bowl, it jumped to number two. There were that Come many on. people that hit that QR code, downloaded the app, and then if you, if you actually hit that QR code and got the offer, that offer expired in 45 minutes. So they time-gated it. 
So you had to act now. Um, I mean, I think that it's it's getting it's it's getting the average American and the average the the average consumer engaged in crypto. Um, I mean, it's 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 being it's more accessible than ever. I mean, eight months ago when I wanted to buy NFTs, swap out one coin for another, you basically needed a PhD in computer science in order to pull sure. any of this stuff off. Now it's just click, download, connect my bank account, prove it's me. And we're off to the races. It's it's probably a gift and a curse. Um, I know some people that are using credit. Why why would it be a why would it be a be, why would it be a curse? It just because it's it's, uh, it's not gambling, but it's highly speculative. So I mean, and it's also highly technical. So people that don't understand or don't want to do diligence, that just like lemming into it and like, oh, I'm going to go buy Ethereum, click click. Meanwhile, I'm buying it at forty seven hundred at the top. I mean, that wasn't a very good decision. Now. Um, you got to have it. Crypto is not just jumping in and, and joining the party. Like you need to actually have a strategy, understand what you're investing in and be prepared to lose whatever you put in because it's not just a straight ride up. And that's, and you know, with, that's and with more accessibility comes more responsibility, especially from these exchanges. Well, and that's what I would say about gambling. And that's where the crossover, yeah. that's why I love this same. show, because we, we do look at the markets. We, it's the same yeah. thing. You've got to do your due diligence. You've got to do your reading. You've got to do your homework. If you're flying blind and you can't, you know, listen, you're going to have a little fun with a hundred bucks. That's what you got going on. And, you know, you're just betting some props for casual fun. Don't worry about it and don't stress about it. But if you're putting in a good chunk of change, thinking that you're going to get a return right away, that's not as easy as it sounds. Oh, no. You've got to do that due diligence. You've got to do that homework. I mean, yeah. I'm reading every single day that we're not doing this. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the only thing that, that I've seen so far in the sports gambling, sports wagering world that I don't like is whenever I go on ESPN radio or I'm in the car like on the weekends, the shows that are on are pitching it like a revenue producing and money making business and an investment. Yeah, and it's not. And it's it's not. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it, it's entertainment. But I mean, entertainment is a massive industry. It's a massive revenue driver. And I mean, people allocate capital towards entertainment. I don't think you should be looking at sports wagering, crypto, et cetera, as a means of of, of, of income or investment or uh, or, or just, just, just a, a business because it's, it's really not. I mean, it's highly speculative. I find it entertaining, sports wagering, essentially. I mean, crypto, I take more of a business perspective, but I mean, I do my homework and I live in that shit. I'm not just following somebody and going and buying <laughs> coins. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's, there, there's similarity, great similarities between the two. Let's, let's take a look at the, the business end of things because, okay, the Rams won, the Bengals covered, the game stays under, most of the props actually stayed under, uh, yeah. you know, your everyday teasers, they won, but it was a good day for the books unless you were a book that took a lot of, a lot of exposure on Rams futures, right? So earlier on yeah. where people would be betting uh, the Rams to win the Super Bowl, maybe before the season, you're going to take a little hit on that. I know some books, I believe it was BetMGM, uh, they took a bit of a bath on that Odell Beckham touchdown before things got cooking more in their favor. Let's just look at the numbers in, in old school Nevada. Yeah. Like just alone in Las Vegas. They're staggering. Uh, there's, I mean, the win over the Bengals was the most bet upon Super Bowl in Nevada history. It's not the best book for the game, uh, best game for the book ever, but the handle, $179.8 million comes in number one for Las Vegas. They've been doing this a while, Anthony. They've been doing this a while. When you see that number, what pops out? I mean, that's 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 a gargantuan number. Um, I mean, that's it's like it's it's a good business to be in. I mean, it's good. It's it's showing that it's growing. I mean, what I'm really curious to see 
is how this magnifies what's going on around March Madness um, coming up next month. Because I mean, I you 30, could, 30 days away from yeah, today. 30 yeah, yeah. days away. Yeah. I mean, as far as that number goes, it's it's just I mean, I think we're going to keep setting records uh, moving forward as far as, as as capital deployed and as far as these these record setting numbers go. It's it's only going to be uphill from here. Now, we also have to take a look, and these, again, are preliminary numbers, but there's a company based in Vancouver, Canada called GeoComply Solutions. Uh, they take a look at the geolocation transactions that are going on, and they reported that Sunday night there were more than 80.1 million geolocation transactions, which is more than double that was recorded in 2021. Uh, so basically yeah. what you're looking at is 5.6 million unique accounts logging into legal online sports books. That's a 95% jump from last year. Yep a 35% hike in the number of adults who placed a wager on the Super Bowl. And are you ready? This is their preliminary estimate. $7.61 billion. Yeah, I believe it. Billion. With, <laughs> I, I, shaking your head. It's still staggering, yeah, this number. I mean, it's $7.61 billion wagered on the Rams and the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nuts. But I mean, again, the similarities between crypto and sports wagering. I mean, it's it's a very low barrier to entry and it's it's getting very popular i think you're going to see these growth metrics just explode um everywhere i mean i, I really do think you're going to see a snowball effect to where people now are just and it's, it's a network effect i mean you're going to get mass users on these apps you're going to get people even people that are micro betting i mean they're still adding to those totals i think you're going to keep seeing these numbers just go up and up and up so, I mean, we look at the Super Bowl year to year. I think you're you're right, but is this trend, in your estimation, going to continue throughout the year? Because you know, yeah. we talked off the top about this being the, the hangover. Well, that's the point, right? Now you've got this you know, you've got this marquee event in the Super Bowl. You've got 30 days to March Madness. Those are the two big sexy events on the, in the calendar, yeah. and then you get back to September and obviously kick off it with the NFL. But there's a big gap there, and I think that if you're not careful. And we look at the a lot of these companies, you know, continuing to pour marketing dollars into areas where it's legal. If you're not careful, you're gonna you're gonna have some some customers that just walk away. Yeah. And say, okay, you know what? I'll come back to you in in, in September. Retention is a big part of this business. Oh, Let's yeah. not kid ourselves. Yeah. yeah. What, what what I'm what, what I'm curious to see, to be honest, is what the NBA finals look like, um, and what the NBA playoffs look like uh, from a numbers perspective. Because I mean, if that's growing as well, and you start to see the momentum there. I mean, then it's going to be proof. I mean, I guarantee you people aren't going to start betting around baseball and betting around hockey just because it's accessible. Um, but I mean, the Super Bowl, March Madness, the NBA playoffs. Um, I mean, I think those are going to be uh, those are going to be those marquee events and really help prove the concept that this is here to stay. And these customers are sticky because one thing with everything's app based. I mean, I don't know the reg I don't know the regulations around pushing push notifications um, to people about like letting them know about wagers. But I mean, if you've got that app and you've got push notifications enabled, once the NBA playoffs start, I could assume that you're going to start getting hit with notifications on lines and what's moving, et cetera, um, on your phone. So I'd be curious to see how that develops. I think a lot of that is it, a lot of that is geographical, where yeah. certain states, where certain jurisdictions just don't allow it. Uh, I know in Ontario, come April, they're still going to have a, a system where you can't advertise you know, bonuses yeah. on, on regular television or through regular media. It's going to have to be on the landing page of your own website. And that's going to be one of the things that will put some of these companies that have relied on that in other markets at a bit of a disadvantage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The marketing tactics are everything. I mean, conversions, you need to be converting the person at the top of the funnel, um, not having to walk them through some giant user process and then offer them the bonus. You want to offer them the bonus right off rip. 
we also we also got the numbers from last year. Now this is all pre Super Bowl. When you look at gross gaming revenue share and the percentages by each individual sports book, I'm not surprised by the people at the top. Although when you look at the the bit of the mushy middle, uh, it might indicate who may be primed for some sort of takeover, some sort of consolidation. Uh, FanDuel at, at 36% leads the pack significantly. DraftKings at 24%. Uh, BetMGM at 15%. Caesars at 7%, which surprised That's me crazy. Uh, somewhat. Bet- Isn't that crazy? That yeah. really did stand out to me because I'm a big proponent of Caesars. And that seems like if you look at FanDuel at 36%, Caesars at 7 You've got to ask yourself, what what the hell's going on there, yeah. considering how well they did in the state of New the, York, the, although New York wasn't until January. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is, for me, with FanDuel and DraftKings, which gives them a leg up on everybody, is the adoption of daily fantasy sports. I mean, they've already got those users in the app, and then they're just spinning up another feature um, that they've already got them hooked. Um, so, I mean, Caesars, obviously, is, a, is at a disadvantage um, from that right now. But, I mean, I would expect Caesars to start gaining market share. Um, quite rapidly on those, especially if they activate their uh, their traditional casino um, loyalty program and, and the people that they already have in their marketing funnels from that side of the business. Yeah, and rounding out the list, you had Bet River at four, Barstool at four percent, and then Points Bet at four percent. Barstool is only four percent, four percent. Yeah, from last year, and you think that's some that's a marketing beast when you think of the work Oof. that Portnoy does. And and the you know all of the programming that comes out of it. I mean, a lot of it, as we've talked about on this podcast before, a lot of it organic kind of advertising that's in people's faces just because they support him yeah. and support his brand. Well, it's apparently not converting into dollars. I mean, to be <laughs> honest, to be honest with those numbers, I mean, it's going to be a business decision some point where they consolidate. Either Caesars picks them up or, or MGM picks them up or someone picks up Penn. Um, I mean, we've seen consolidation in traditional gaming. So, I mean, if you can pick up that user base from Barstool and Penn, um, at a good price. And I mean, those are much bigger corporations. I don't see why that wouldn't happen. I was curious to, I watched a great interview. It was Brent Musburger who did an interview with, with Billy Walters. Now, if you don't know, Billy Walters is like the Michael Jordan of sports gambling. Uh, he doesn't do many interviews. Uh, he's done one 60 minutes piece, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, he's one of the old computer guys that really, you know, outsmarted the books for years and years and years and years. And I thought his quote was kind of interesting. He said, you know, sports books in the 1980s in Las Vegas would take a $50,000 bet on college football. There's a lot more room for progression in this business and in this industry. He says, you've got financial people that understand acquiring a huge customer base, but they don't necessarily understand customer service. And more importantly, don't really understand bookmaking. It's difficult to fully develop a business if you don't totally understand it. And we're talking about people who are very bright. But if you don't know the market or how to sell the product, you're probably not going to do very well. Is he spitting fire here? Is he spitting truth? Oh, yeah. Or is this just a, a guy who's, you know, past it and, and commenting on something he doesn't know? I think he's 100 percent right. But I mean, also, I think what he's not what he doesn't what he's what he's assuming is that the consumer is smart. Um, I would be willing to bet that 95 <laughs> percent. That's a great that is a hell of a great point. Yeah. I mean, I'd be willing to bet that that a lot of people out there, probably 90, 90, 95% of the people that are wagering right now don't realize that they can actually shop lines between books. Um, I don't think they understand that there's deviation between, b- 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 between the platforms, which just gives a dumb consumer to natively stick to their app. Um, I mean, I think he's, I think he couldn't be more correct. Um, in, uh, in, in, in that assumption. So then, then what does that mean then for the, the people running the business? You, like when it, it comes to somebody who's running a fan duel or a DraftKings, do they just count on that level of ignorance? I guess that's the best word I can yeah. use for it is ignorance. 
Um, you know, do they count on that level of ignorance just to run their business, knowing that they don't they don't have sharp gamblers all across the country that if they get hit by a couple of different guys or clipped by a couple of different guys, it's not going to matter because the ignorance is going to weigh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, they're not I don't think they're worried about the sharks. What they want to do is get as many people in there as possible that are betting $50 here, $100 there that are just spreading it out and just having fun with it, because, I mean, those are the people that are losing. Um, those aren't the people that are sitting there strategically looking at 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 game odds and at at information and at players uh player props they're just like oh i like obj i think he's gonna have a great game boom boom um they're like oh i like the i like the rams they don't look at the injury report they don't look at anything they just throw 150 200 on the game spin the wheel and and see what happens and i mean those are their money makers um so i mean yeah i, I think that the, i don't think they care about the sharks really they care more about just network effects and just mass adoption and just getting people into there um, that are that, that that are consistently betting um, betting money. Yeah, and, and listen for an informational purpose, as you mentioned, line shopping. Yeah, let me just highlight what that means and underscores underscore what that means for people. If you open up your app and it's DraftKings, and let's say they've got the, we'll use the Super Bowl as an example. Everybody just you know experienced it together. If they've got the Rams minus four. There might be other books out there. There might be other apps even on your phone that are offering the Rams minus three and a half at the same value. Oh, yeah. They might be offering the Rams at minus three at the same value. So you can, you know, those those points do matter. They do count for something. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people out there that will just, you know, oh, I'm going to buy two points on this. We'll, we'll shop around, look around. Are you already being offered that same spread somewhere else where you can get a little bit more value, where you can get a little bit more bang for your buck? That's that's the proper and smart way to play things. Don't just ignorantly walk into your app and and hit buttons and mash keys like yeah. you're a you know a seventeen year old playing Street Fighter. That's my back in the day. Yeah, and I mean to I be honest, to anybody that uh, says, "Oh, I'm going to buy two points," I mean paying one set minus one seventy versus minus one ten. I mean, if you don't understand what that actually means, you should not be be placing wagers on anything because you're at a you're at a vast disadvantage. Um, from a uh, from a risk, and you're you're, you're choosing to be at a vast yeah. Dis- disadvantage. Yeah, that's that that's, which, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, to me. that's that that to me that's crazy. Um, and that's something that people need to realize that there are variable variables out there. Uh, or there is very vari- variability between the platforms. Um, that's just that's your placement hey. it's on. All right, one of the platforms that's going to have its earnings out this week, and I think everybody is 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 taking a look at this under a microscope. And I know we've invited the, the CEO of DraftKings to come on. Uh, he's waiting until this report comes out to join us on the show, which I completely understand. You know, you want to make sure that the market knows what your company is up to. They're going to, at least the rumors are, that DraftKings is expected to report a loss uh, in Q4 on Friday. Uh, DraftKings stock price remains near its lowest level over the last 12 months, although they say some, and I'm curious to get your take on it, uh, that this could be you know, a, a bit of a, a rebound situation for a company like DraftKings. They traded as high as $24.73 last week. That's the highest level it's reached in, in the month of January slash February. So where do you see this company? And is this a is this an opportunity for people to get in still while the getting is pretty good? Um, I mean, I think it's an opportunity. I think it's, you could also, from from his perspective, you can use a little bit of smoke and mirrors. I mean, he's got the liberty of of decreasing his marketing budget to juice that bottom line. Um, so they can come in. They can still lose money, but they could probably come in at a smaller loss um, than what's expected if they really wanted to um, with a little bit of financial engineering and strategy. Um, but I mean, I think I think right now, it's probably one of the better times to get in. I mean, they're going, they're not going anywhere. 
I mean, they've got the user base, they've got the consumers, they've got the money flowing in, they've got the platform. They're probably going to start to roll out other games. Like, I can't wait to see what the next Daily Fantasy is um, from from a sporting perspective. It's probably going to be something NFT based um, or in the crypto world. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's not not it's the the getting's good now. Um, unless interest rates go through the roof and you start to see growth stocks just shoot to the floor. Um, and, and really that anything that's not making a profit is not getting rewarded or, or granting, uh, investment dollars. Um, it's a pretty damn good time to get in. Let me ask about, about taxes. How do you think taxes when it comes to state taxes? Cause a lot of these companies have to pay a hell of a lot of money in tax. Yeah. You look at New York, super punitive, 51% tax on industry revenue. Is that in your estimation, is that keeping people on the sidelines here? Because, I mean, you look at New Jersey, you're looking at between the 10 and 20 percent range. Is that keeping investors on the sidelines saying, well, you know, this states, these states know that this is a cash cow. They could jack that rate up any time. So why would I want to be involved with a company that might have that happen? I don't think so. I mean, I, I would be I would be pretty I don't know enough about the inner workings of these companies, but I would be pressed to to, to, to not find that they have some sort of offshore um, infrastructure or some way of actually circumventing the uh, the all in tax rate, such as like Apple's got offices in Ireland um, that they wash cash through and it never touches the U.S. shore. Um, I'd be betting that these gambling companies have the same thing set up um, to uh, to create efficiencies in their in their revenue models. Uh, we did mention 30 days until the NCAA March Madness. Uh, this is one of my favorite things to uh, wager on. I love to have a future bet. Uh, if you're not into the future betting market, you should be. Um, if Again, that's not advice. That's just my strong opinion uh, that if if you don't see some value in doing some reading, doing some homework and trying to predict the future, you're nutso. Uh, that's not a technical term. That's just what I would call you. Yep. Uh, so for me, I, I got it right. I, are you a future guy? Do you play futures? I'm actually not. Um, I've never, okay. I've never played. You're not so. That's what I'm going to call you then. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually never placed a future bet. I don't have the patience. Um, I usually like to bet like right before the games or like right before action's about to happen. Um, but I mean, I know a lot of people that have made a lot of money, um, betting future bets on the Super Bowl on March Madness, etc. Because the odds are crazy. Um, if you hit. Yeah, and it, it's a slow burn. You're right. It's yeah. not for everybody. It's a slow burn. You've got to wait out an entire season. Uh, the the numbers are out. Gonzaga is favored to win the NCAA tournament with odds of plus five thousand, uh, five hundred rather. That'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be real nice. Thousand. Uh, Auburn, pl- Auburn plus nine hundred. Kentucky plus a thousand. Arizona plus eleven hundred. Uh, after last night, I watched uh, the Kansas game. I've had money on Kansas since the beginning of the season. Uh, they sit at plus one thousand as well to win the championship. Uh, I got them at plus 1,800 at the beginning of the season. They're going to be one of the number one seeds in this tournament come March. That is where I would put my money. Um, they've got a lot of experience. They've got a veteran coach in Bill Self. They are a tournament-ready team, and that's what I look for in future in the future market. You've always got to think, how do you get through that grind of March Madness? Yeah. Well, start starts with experience. It starts with great coaching, and then you work your way from there. Yeah, I mean, I like Kentucky. Um, I can, Kentucky absolutely waxed, uh, Florida last week. And I mean, I'm looking at team when it, it, for me with, with March madness, I bet on whatever team I think's got the, uh, got the best future pros, um, on, on their team. I mean, you've seen Dwayne Wade carry his team to the finals. You've seen Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Durant. I mean, those guys usually make their way into the, 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 the late games in the tournament. I mean, my horse in this race would be Kentucky. Um, all things considered, I wouldn't now, see that's yeah. interesting because. Kentucky, Kentucky smashed Kansas a couple of weeks yeah. ago. 
And that's where I actually bought back in on Kansas okay. because, you know, in that situation, a lot of people said, okay, well, Kentucky's clearly the better team here. Uh, if they, if they face off, this is going to be a, a history repeating itself situation. You're right. They do have a lot of NBA quality talent on that Kentucky team, but I, I was able to get Kansas as an even higher number than I bet at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So I mean, then I would, Kansas is still, I would double down on that. I would, I would double down on that. Absolutely. Yeah. From a risk reward perspective, that makes complete sense. Now, Kansas is my my horse. You've got Kentucky going into March Madness, so we're already on the record on that. Uh, where do you fall on the Daytona 500? I couldn't tell you a single thing about auto racing. I hate NASCAR with a passion. I was going to say, you live in uh, the state of Florida. I, I Maybe hate, this is something that you pick up I down there. I hate NASCAR. Um, I think it's just... I don't want to use the word stupid because I think people that just call things stupid are somewhat narrow-minded, but I mean, I just think it's boring. Like, I love Formula One. Like I religiously wake up at 8 a.m. or 8.30 or 9 a.m. on Sundays. Oh, okay. And I'll go to the gym at like 6 a.m. So I'm home beforehand um, to watch the Formula One race. Um, re- religiously, I watch those. I watch qualifying. I watch the race on Sundays. But NASCAR, I couldn't even tell you who the top three drivers are. Um, and Dale Earnhardt is, is my guy. Um, Dale Earnhardt and Dale Earnhardt Jr. You're just saying names yeah. right now. I li- R- R- Ricky Bobby, <laughs> yeah, R- 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 Ricky Bobby, yeah, Ricky and, Bob. uh, and, and Cal Naughton Jr. Um, those are my. Uh, if you're not, if you're not first, you're yeah, last. Th- th- those are my. Those are my biggest NASCAR uh, heroes. All right, fair enough. Uh, so I'm going to have a selection on the next show uh, for the Daytona 500. Anthony will sit and remain agnostic on that issue completely. Uh, you, I, you were totally different because I am a, I am a NASCAR guy. I enjoy Indy. F1 is one of those things that I always thought, you know, you're at a cottage, you're hanging out with people, you, you know, you do an overnight party or something. There was always those guys who got up. So you're one oh, of yeah. those guys who would get up at the crack of dawn to watch the F1 race. Oh, yeah. I've already got my tickets for the Miami Grand Prix. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the Montreal Grand Prix, uh, next year. I was supposed to go last year, but thanks to COVID that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a formula one, like nut when I'm like a gearhead. I mean, I've I've always loved cars. Um, I've always loved sports cars. So, I mean, formula one and me just, we get each other, um, NASCAR. I just can't stand like the, the, the whole, the whole circle thing. It's just like Chevy Ford, whatever. I'm not a fan of like American automobiles. Um, so, I mean, it's just. Me and Formula One gel, NASCAR, nah. All right, fair enough. We're going to do the Daytona 500 just from my perspective on the next Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll find I'll a driver. A I'll, I'll do a little bit of research and find a driver. that I'll, I'll get a horse in the race. Okay. Um, but as of right now, fair. I couldn't even tell you who's, who's racing. This is one of those things where you walk off the bench and just smoke me, <laughs> and all of a sudden you nail somebody at like plus 5,000, and I'm just left saying, uh, I guess I'm going to have to start watching F1 now. Yeah, I'm, I mean, That's F- part of F1, uh, yeah, F1's my... My, my my sport and the NBA All Star Game that's coming up as well. I've got a selection on that for the next show, but we'll save that. Of course, we you know we had another. I just want to put this on the table. We had another shot at the golf this past weekend with Matsuyama. They just didn't connect, didn't click yeah. in the last little while. But he was he was certainly up there. So we're going to keep pressing ahead on guaranteed money when it comes to the golf as well. But we will join you again this week for another episode, and uh, we'll have those Super Bowl numbers and see what the big number was and what it ended up being when it comes to all of those people putting their money down on the Super Bowl 56. Anthony, thank you so much. Look forward to it. Subscribe to Guaranteed Money wherever you get your podcasts and find out more details at thedalesreport.com. Don't forget also to check out our YouTube channel for more content.